now on nights, it's time for the Financial Planning Show. Thanks to our financial planning gurus, Jacaranda Financial Planning, providing you with trusted and understandable super and retirement general advice. Yes, of course, and uh, we of course provide here tonight general advice and information only. Always encourage listeners to get personal advice to ensure their personal objectives, overall financial situation and needs are considered any question you have on super, retirement, financial planning, the lines are open. You can call 131873. You can do it via text. You can do it via email. Joel Hardy from Jacaranda Financial Planning is here. Joel, good evening to you. G'day, John. Good to see you. Now, uh, economic news. Now, we had a conversation on the show last night, in fact, uh, over the uh, the economic impact and how they work out the economic impact of uh, the, the four days of concerts in Sydney. But... Look, it was a nationwide thing because it seemed half of Queensland was trying to get tickets to go to Taylor Swift. They were selling the merchandise, the friendship bands, differing estimates of the impact. But financially, there was a lot of economic activity. A lot of economic activity. I thought I'd throw this one in because I was on a flight from Brisbane on a Friday afternoon and the plane was full. And I looked around and I thought, oh, there's not many... Uh, not many people coming back from, say, a work trip. It was mm. definitely people coming down for the weekend. And I heard the conversations around the hostesses started talking to the to some of the people about what the weekend entails. And it was all Taylor Swift. I get out of the plane, go down to get the bag, and the airport, John, was absolutely full of people all here to see Taylor Swift at one of those four concerts. And, and it was buzzing, wasn't it? Happy. Absolutely buzzing, absolutely happy. And I thought to myself, so all these people have booked airfares, they've all booked a hotel, they're all paying for food, they're all getting a cab somewhere, and the flow-on of all of that for small businesses and for uh, and for the broader economy of Sydney, and, and Melbourne as well, because had, she had those shows there, uh, would be fairly staggering. Now, the, the figure I've read is $140 million dollars. And that was the Melbourne-based figure. So I can only imagine that that same figure would be replicated here in Sydney, if not bigger. But uh, it's it's pretty staggering the the flow-on effect of those sorts of concerts and those that 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 star power that uh, obviously brings up the, the broader yep. economy around it. Yeah, and it's just the also just the the, the lift it gives people. Are, people are happy, and I think you'd underestimate people being happy, and they're being happy in a way that's uh, that's, that's quite innocent. So mm. I think it's fantastic. Now. Share markets, they're at all-time highs. And one thing that you must talk to people all the time about trying to think about where the world's going, like you look at lithium, which was hot a couple of years yep, ago. Right. Where is it going? How is the world going to be looking in the future? We're all looking for, you know, what's what's the, the apple or whatever the, the share mm. that you mm. want to get in on the ground floor. But AI is changing, artificial intelligence changing so much. Yes. How do we keep a handle on all of that? Look, it's 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 certainly driving the market success at the moment, particularly in the US, and the US obviously lifts a lot of other markets with it. And uh, and so earlier in the year, uh, the story was more about interest rates and the prospect of falling rates. Now it's firmly behind companies that, uh, that are listed on the NASDAQ in particular, that have exposure to, to the commercial application of AI. One such company is NVIDIA. So years and years ago, NVIDIA made uh, computer graphics cards, and that's that was their core thing. And they worked out at some point that uh, those cards were really effective at machine learning. Mm. And so now your Microsofts, your Googles, your Apples can't get enough of these chips, and NVIDIA is the main producer of them, and their profits skyrocketed. So if you owned NVIDIA shares, 
five years ago, you would have made a two and a half or almost a two and a half thousand percent increase on the value of the share between five years ago and today. That's a staggering statistic. And I think that we're probably going to see this rally continue for a little bit longer. It may lose some steam toward the end of the year. But that's then, John, when interest rates are predicted to fall. Yep. So we're thinking that the market this year is in a fairly good space and it's got some got some wind in its sails. Well, look, a lot of our listeners are getting their notepads out. I've got mine out. I've got the pen ready to go. All right, Joel, what's the next NVIDIA? That's what everyone's asking, oh, wish, of course. I wish, know, I wish I knew. Get Gee, the, I wish get I the knew. crystal ball I'd out. I'd be a wealthy man, John, if I knew. But, uh, well, that's what people are asking, isn't it? Mm. And, and, and I guess the issue then is, and I suppose particularly if people have got self-managed super funds or if they're dabbling in the market, there's a lot of people going to be marketing themselves as the next NVIDIA yes. AI. Yes. So how do you separate that? Because there's a lot of that stuff coming through at you all the time. Well, some of these companies too, John, can be boom and bust. And NVIDIA is a success story, but there would have been 10 other companies that probably didn't make it. Mm. So so the importance always is the same. Uh, profitable companies, well-run companies, ones that have exposure, exposure to a broad range of industries, and a mix of those in your pie, in your pool, that are all doing different things and returning different rates so that you have a diversified portfolio and an exposure to all sorts of markets and uh, and industries. I think that's still important. That's still the fundamentals. See, if you've got something like NVIDIA, you say 2300, uh, 2,300 in five years, okay, you look at that, you think, well, I'm not going to buy any of them, mm. but they could still have a huge upside, couldn't they? It could go, it could go up in, even further. It really, really depends on the profitability of the company and their ability to control that side of the market and obviously produce enough of these chips that these large tech companies like Microsoft and co are still willing to buy them um, buy them and, and create profitability for them. So look, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's a, it's a huge one share. I think one NVIDIA share is about mm. 780 US dollars. So it's a big number to pay. But people can get exposure to this, John, through what are called exchange traded funds or those ETFs or manage type funds that have exposure to this technology. So you're buying a basket of shares, mm. often at a fairly low price, and then you can ride, not not exactly the same wave, but yep. you can ride that wave of, of, the, of the boom in this sort of technology. So you buy some of the ETFs. So, so within, let, let's try and look at, most of our listeners would have super funds, uh, either retail or most of them would be industry funds from the, uh, the the concessional contributions. So are all those big funds, they've got people sitting in a room and if someone is on the growth, let's say the, you know, not the balanced because uh, that's the, I guess, mm. the more conservative, but if you've got in a growth option where you're essentially trying to take a riskier option with your super, are they sitting there looking at, all right, well, we might throw some of these in there. That's how they, they, that's how they yes, do it. Yes, every fund would have an investment team and that investment team would be tasked with going to market to find these sorts of shares and these sorts of stocks. Uh, they may then delve into other experts in those geographic regions to work out exactly how they invest the money. So, so definitely most people in a fund will have exposure to this stuff. I know at the moment a lot of funds' largest international holding is Microsoft. So you do have, you do have exposure by virtue of holding those shares as a superannuant in your fund, whether it's an industry fund, a retail fund. Self-managed super funds obviously a bit different because you're controlling the investment or your accountant or your advisor. 
So important to have that mm. right mix and have some exposure to international shares, yep. John, because a lot of people get caught out where they don't have that exposure. Yeah, and just just to explain again, one of the things that we've talked about here is you can have uh, you have retail funds, you can have the industry funds where it's all in, in a big pool. Then you have the other extreme, which is the self-managed super fund mm. where it has to be audited and you, you've got control, you've got accountants involved. You've talked about these wrap funds where you yep. can have some control over your, your own shares, That's right. but you're not going to the complete self-managed super fund. That's, That's right. exactly right. Yeah. A wrap is a wrapper around your investments. So it's uh, it's it's still a super fund with a trustee. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not the trustee. A group is the trustee yes. and your, your assets are in the mix with other people like right. at Australian Super, for example. But a wrap account is where you can actually have direct control of the investments within it. So it might be direct shares, it might be ETFs, Mm. it might be managed funds, it might be term deposits. Mm. All of these things you can actually purchase directly under your your umbrella, Mm. under your super fund. Under your umbrella umbrella or or the group umbrella? Well, it's your account, so it's your umbrella, it's 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 your structure. But the group is managing the, the, the fund. The okay. group is the trustee of the fund. Yep. So you don't have to worry about auditing and accounting costs. So that's a really interesting one for people who, because I wasn't aware of it until we started talking about it here. And they're fairly low cost. You're not going to pay an enormous amount of money to be in one of these funds. In fact, they'd be comparable in fees to a lot of industry funds. So, and there's there's a lot of providers out there in the market that do these. And I think it can be a nice bridge between perhaps people thinking of a self-managed fund and those that are in simpler, say, industry funds where they want something in between. Yep. All right. And the uh, WRAP, it's generally... That's exactly right. Yeah, like, like a, like a chocolate fund. wrapper. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Peter's on the line. Peter. How Peter. are you, John? Good, mate. Well, what can we do for you? Uh, well, I'd like to say I love your program. And uh, you know my uh, cousin, actually. His name's Mark Gold. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yep, yep, yep. He, he was an externo, and um, he um, used to uh, go down the journal, journal club of you guys. Right. And uh, yes, yes, a long, to- long, long time ago, Mr. Stanley. It was a long time ago, mate. It was. Okay. Let's not talk about the journalist ago. club, mate. <laughs> and uh, Stan Wilmot, you probably know him. He's uh, related yeah. to me. A long time ago. Yep, that's right. Macquarie Network. I want to ask you a colleague here, mate, I'm going to retire in a couple of weeks, self-funded retiree. Now, when I turn 60, with my north, do I have to pay tax? Peter, you don't have to pay tax when you turn 60, so that's the good news. Uh, If you retire at 60, the money in your fund, in your super fund, becomes tax-free, whether that's as a lump sum or as a pension. If you go and earn income, though, from, say, a rental property or you go back to work in some sort of casual capacity, then those are obviously taxable sources of income. You would need to pay some tax. But your super becomes tax-free at 60, whether as a pension or as a lump sum. So you've really got that choice. Uh, You can make that decision. And uh, yeah, if if you meet a condition of release, which is retirement, you're good to go. There you go. Fantastic. You've answered my question. Thanks, guys. Yeah, so, so soon as, if you retire at 60, you, you can access your super. That's right, yes. And, even, and then you can go back to work, can't you? You can go back to work. We see that all the time where, where I've got some clients who, uh, who, who choose to go back to work, whether on a casual basis they might know someone who runs a business and then that person needs some help in the business, John. A common one is teachers or someone who's been a teacher 
they cease their full-time role, they might have a year off and they go back and do some HSC marking or they go back and work casually in another school and, and so on. So there's a lot of opportunities where people uh, access their super, move it to that account-based pension, which is tax-free. The earnings become tax-free. You can draw an income from that, but then choose to go back to work and then you start re-contributing again back into an accumulation fund because you are back at work. So uh, you can have the best of both. 131873 is the number. If you want to jump on that uh, NVIDIA bandwagon what i'm saying nvidia it might sound like i'm saying nvidia it's n n v i d i a nvidia mm. okay wayne just making me correct that to make sure it's right so everyone's got it right so you want to jump on that bandwagon n v i d i a all right that's the one <laughs> it uh, you might be too late though 2300 percent in five years that's all right incredible yeah now back in that time machine a few years uh 20 minutes past nine of course your seminars uh with jacaranda you've got the next one coming up in fact in two days time in brisbane two days time in brisbane yeah it's, it's this thursday the 29th of february it's a 6 p.m start at the sofitel hotel in the city there it is free uh and uh, it is free to register jacaranda fp.com.au 1-800-40-2610 so 6 p.m start this Thursday, the 29th of February in Brisbane, and then Sydney, Tuesday, the 19th of March, 6 p.m. start, Radisson Blue Hotel in the city, jackarandafp.com.au. Easy as that, and that website's got a lot of good information there. 131873 it's our super and finance clinic, as we like to call it here, on a Tuesday night at 21 past nine or eight in Queensland. 131873 is the number we're talking. Finance and superannuation here with Joel Hardy from Jacaranda Financial Planning. Um, is this text message here? NVIDIA, in, as in letter N, NVIDIA had a great return. Consider Australia's real estate website. That'd be realestate.com.au, wouldn't it? Yep. Shares five cents in September 2001. They're now $190 per share. So 10,000 investors will now be worth 38 million. Would that be right? I'm taking those numbers at, at, at well, that would probably be right. Um, someone's going to sit here and work it out and they're going to go, <laughs> yeah, oh no, right. we should have checked that. Um, also, the changes that have occurred, and these are from July 1, these are the super caps. This is because of the increase in wages that then is linked to uh, the, the contributions. So now you can put in $30,000 this is a concessional contribution from July 1. From July 1, yeah. So they announced this the other day, John, which was uh, which was some good news. So so that 27500 which it is today, is increasing to 30000 Now, remember, that includes your employer's 11% contribution. Mm. It includes any salary sacrifice you do, and it also includes any voluntary contributions that you then go to claim a tax deduction mm. for. So that cap currently 27500 going up to $30,000 from 1 July. And the after-tax contribution, which is those larger lump sums that people often like to pop in from, say, cash in the bank or, or some inheritance, or maybe they've sold an asset, that's going from 110000 to 120. which means if you do that, that the, the contribution which we often talk about on here, which is the bring forward, you bring mm. forward three years into one, goes from 330000 to 360000 So uh, a couple of strategies that people can consider might be that you've sold a property or an investment and you've got some capital gains tax. The first contributions, that $30,000 from 1 July can help reduce that, particularly if you've got some room in your cap. Some people will have a balance under half a million dollars where they can perhaps go back five financial years to, to, to scoop up some of the unused cap that they have and pop in a contribution which may reduce that capital gains tax or income tax quite considerably. So really important to note that. And of course, 
uh, moving money into that tax-effective environment, which is that super fund, whether it's in accumulation, maximum tax rate 15%, or the pension where it's Mm -hmm. zero, really great structures to have money invested. Now, as I said, it can be direct shares, it might be managed funds, it might be term deposits, it might be property. Mm. You can hold all those assets under that umbrella. So always trying to maximize what you can put in can have real advantages. Okay. Look, I've got a question from Steve who uh, is on the line. Hello, Steve. Oh, good day, John. Good day, Joel. My question is this. Why is it that different people from different occupations can access the super earlier than other people, inherently what I see, and I and please correct me if I'm wrong, if you work for a government agency, you can get it a, a lot earlier than if you work for private enterprise. Mm. I don't understand that. I absolutely do not understand this. Yeah, look, uh, at the moment, Steve, the rules are the same for everybody because the system is governed by an act called the CIS Act. So that states what uh, what age you can access funds, and it's currently 59 years, and it's sl- it's going to move to 60 years shortly. But uh, some of these people in, in who have worked for government or worked for a particular employer for a very long period of time may have a thing called a defined benefit scheme. And often what we see is the scheme has its own unique rules. Uh, some of the ones I've seen is 54-11, so 54 years and 11 months, that's the old Commonwealth Super Scheme, Mm. where if you left at that time, there was a clause in the scheme that allowed people to access a pension from that time. There's other defined benefit schemes, uh, state and Commonwealth, and and some private sector ones like the RBA, which was not private sector, but that has one. Westpac, CBA, both have them, uh, where you can access money around the age of 55. So they are very unique. However, only a few percent, percent of the population have these. For the vast majority of us, it is a minimum age of 59 or 60, depending on your birthday. Okay. That explain it, Stephen? Because that's, uh, I guess, taking those different styles of super into account. And, and look, Steve raises a good point too. If you go back a few years, that preservation age has slowly crept up, John, from 55 to 56, 57, 58, 59, and it's now sitting at 59. So so there are there are different unique rules back in, back in time, but now we're all edging toward that 60 number. All right, Steve? Um, no, I'm not really comfortable with it because, I, I, yes, you could have uh, whatever scheme you're in, whatever, but I think when it comes to superannuation and what it does to the stock markets and all mm. the rest of it, I'm, and we're not, we're, I don't want to talk about all that right now. However, my point is, regardless of whether I'm a school teacher, a policeman, I'm a garbage collector, I'm whatever, um why can't we draw a line in the sand to say, right, no one can access super until this age or everyone can access it at this age? Are the super funds scared that people are going to say, okay, well, now I can access my super fund and what effect they'll have on the market and whatever we can talk till the cows come home? Is that what they're stalling us for? Is that where they keep pushing us out? I think, or governments set the legislation certainly from from the from that governs the vast majority of funds. Some of those funds I just mentioned, Steve, have their own unique trust deed uh, that was set up many many years ago, prior to 1993, when compulsory super was introduced. So, 
I suspect that uh, they're outliers, and it's it's really governments, John, that yep. need to uh, that, that set these rules and, and control it. Yeah, because that's about policy as opposed to what you know, what you can actually do, mm. what you can and can't do. Because mm. I think if we were sitting here talking about whether these rules uh, could be improved, mm. I think we could mm. be going mm. all night. Mm. So we're mm. dealing with what we have right exactly now right, yeah. in terms of like uh, well, for instance, we've got a question from Maggie here: How much does it cost to see a financial advisor? Now I know going back. The time we've had here, going back to Brett, where Brett was here doing this, talked mm. about uh, mm. the cost, and it's. I think Jacaranda has always had an amount of what about eight hundred and eighty dollars. Is that eight, right? Eight hundred dollars plus GST. We still charge that amount for a plan, and uh, and and we don't want a barrier to getting financial advice, and that's always been our motto. So we we do have one of the lower fees on the spectrum. Uh, advisors charge all different fees. You, some some you'll have a a higher upfront fee for transactional advice. It can be three, four, five, up to seven thousand dollars, depending on the complexity. Other firms charge an asset-based fee, which is a percentage of the portfolio they manage for you. Really depends, John, on who the provider is and their business model. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, it, it's it, it just depends on what Maggie's needs are. And yep. as I said, we charge that eight. That's what you do, because and and look, the, the that's at the lower end of the scale. That's what you're saying. Yes. So it gives you an idea of where we're talking in relation to this. And the idea would be that you could probably save more than that in terms of having a plan and Certainly. and restructuring things. All right. Um, Chris says, drone technology shares. Now, we talk about things that are mm, growing. Mm. Uh, I invested in these a couple of years ago with a personal passion for drones. Noticed over the last few weeks, they've skyrocketed. This is yeah, drone technology yeah. shares. Yeah, I suspect military application as well as commercial application and private application of the technology is, is uh, fairly ubiquitous. So... You'd, you'd absolutely uh, be seeing, as, and I think again, going back to, going back to the point I raised before, always ensure that the companies are well run, are profitable, have reasonable earnings, don't ha- carry a lot of debt. All that, all that information. If you're investing mm. in a public stock, is available on the ASX website yep. or on the or on the market website where you're investing in. It might be US shares, for example. So, so those those, those things are core and key. But uh, yeah, that might be the next thing. So many different uh, applications for drones, but we, I think on this show, we probably once a year over the last, I reckon, four years have done an interview about the uh, the deliveries being done by drones in Canberra and also in the Logan area in southeast Queensland. But it hasn't, and these this is these are these are technologies and systems that are almost being used as benchmarks for the rest of the world. But it hasn't expanded beyond there. I saw a story the other day that in southeast Queensland it's going to be extended a bit, but I'm surprised after quite a few years. Mm. It's still restricted to those two areas in Australia. I think you've got a lot of obstruction, though, don't you? You've got in any built-up area, you've yeah. got a lot of people moving around. You've got a lot of well, you've got trees, power lines, of you've course. got aircraft yep. flying over your head. You've got tall buildings, so it probably. I've never personally thought that it could uh, that it would take off broadly. But drones have great application yeah. for, oh, for lots things, of other yeah. things. Yeah. But I think it must be four years since we spoke to a two double C listener who was telling us that they were getting, I think, coffee and cake delivered by a drone on the front lawn. <laughs> and on a winter's morning... That's not that bad in camera, is it? That, yeah, that, yeah, that, 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 can, zero that, degrees. that can be very, very good. Mm. Look, the one thing also, you'll always be getting questions, wouldn't you, about nominations and who you can leave your super to. That's really important, isn't it? Yes, it is. Look, and, and certainly there's two options more broadly, John. You've got a binding nomination... Uh, it can be lapsing or non-lapsing. If it's lapsing, it's typically three years. So every three years, 
you have to re-nominate or, or re-sign that form to indicate who your beneficiaries are. It, of course, leaves your super funds paid as a lump sum. And then the, the beneficiary receives that money and then they can choose to do with it what they wish. The other alternative, of course, is a reversionary pension. If you've got a pension and let's say you want that money to then transfer to your spouse tax-free and then they, they go on to receive that pension, that can be a great strategy to use so that that spouse then doesn't have to try and get the lump sum back into super. Mm. It's an alternative to, to the binding nomination. Um, children of any age can be beneficiaries. Spouses, of course. Someone who has an interdependent relationship on you. It might be someone you live with who's financially reliant upon you. It might be uh, someone with a disability who you care for. There's many different uh, facets to this. But certainly, it's not something that by default super funds are set up on your behalf. You actually have to go and fill out a form and nominate either your will, which is your estate, a spouse, a child, or whomever you want your beneficiary to be. So really important to do that because we've seen instances where people don't do it. And the death benefit takes six to twelve months wow. to, yep. to eventually be worked. Yeah, out. and look, and we've we've had a lot of controversy about that, and I know it's been done on our on, on our network. People who've been beside themselves over mm. this, yes, but uh, they've got legal rules they've got to follow, don't they? In terms they do. Of, yeah, uh, the trustee certainly doesn't. And if you have a nomination in place, it can be as little as four to six weeks. So it's a yep. big difference, and that's why I'd always advocate people do it. Okay, really quickly, uh, buying a property is a long-term investment. Is it better than putting money in super? It depends where you buy and what you buy. Um, if you, if the long-term average for for uh, capital city markets in Australia is six point six percent a year. Now, uh, super funds are obviously got a mix of assets mm. in them. Australian shares have outperformed that slightly, but again, if you bought a uh, a house in in inner Sydney and it got rezoned for apartments, your returns probably been better than that. Exactly. So yep. It really depends on the market, John, and the type of place you're buying. All right, now uh, let's go next seminar Thursday night in Brisbane. Yeah, this Thursday night, the uh, the twenty ninth of uh, of February. It's a six pm start at the Sofitel Hotel on Turbot Street in Brisbane. Jacaranda FP, so F for financial, P for planning. dot com. dot au, or one eight hundred forty twenty six ten is our number to book. And Sydney is uh, is on Tuesday the nineteenth of March at the Radisson Blue in Pitt Street. Again, the website to book or one eight hundred forty twenty six ten. All right, we'll do this again next week. I, I just had a thought. Uh, I had a memory uh, when Brett used to do this, and Brett's a very conservative man. He's not really a punter. He used to wince if I mentioned punting or anything like that. So I just look. This is. I think this is right. If Mark Levy and the Continuous Call team they go to Vegas, mm. they put a dollar on uh, black at the roulette wheel, and then they guess right. 20 times leave the money on there they'll end up with half a million won't they yeah, that, yeah. that dollar if it keeps doubling 20 times which is an example of how compounding works That's doesn't correct. it correct yeah, exactly right yeah but they've got yeah. to get they've got to get it right 20 times yeah, in a row yeah with the chances that are pretty low <laughs> well they are but it would be very funny though wouldn't it, would it? Be especially watching Levy doing it all right we'll do it again next week thank you so much thanks John good to see you there he is Joel Harty from Jacaranda Financial Planning 